my purpose is to glorify God, how narcissistic must he be if he creates beings and then their purpose is to glorify him? Like, when you first look at it on the surface, that's what it sounds like. I don't really want to worship a God like that. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast, episode 176. And this is a special one because we got back an amazing guest of mine, multi, multi-timer. I'm back. Bernie Calcote. And if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice something. If you're not, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or something, you won't notice. But he is now a mountain man. Yeah. He's got a beard. I, I've, I'm embracing my inner Will Brown. Just oh, kind yeah. of no, no haircut, not <laughs> shaving. You remember right. that guy? Yeah, I do remember. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, you'd be friends now, the way you look, you'd be friends with my friend Marv, who's a pastor. He's a Mennonite pastor in South Carolina, and he listens to this podcast every Monday. Really, really good dude. And, and Marv? Yeah, his name's Marv, and you're starting to look like a Mennonite pastor with this beard. <laughs> So shout thank, out to my thank buddy you. Um, what we do on this podcast with Bernie, he helps me a lot because we just answer your questions. And Bernie has been answering my questions for about 20 years. When I have a problem, I reach out and I'm like, hey, Burns, I got a problem. Or it doesn't even have to be a problem, just a, just a scenario. Walking through life. Walking yep. through life. And so that's what we do with you. And you email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to get to this inbox. I told Bernie... I have no idea what's coming up. Like, I, I, there's no planning. There's no notes. Flying blind. We don't have Let's any do special quotes that we're just going to throw out there. Okay. Our minds are empty right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, first question. Brenda gets it, and it says this: Hey Granger, I really enjoy your podcast. I'm from I'm from West Virginia. I was married in 2006. Got divorced in 2008. My ex-husband died in 2020. I consider myself single, not divorced now. I have a relationship with God, and I've been praying for a godly man. Can you please tell me what to do? There is not a singles group in our church. I don't know what I could do. Thank you for everything that you do. God bless Brenda. Brenda from West Virginia, married married Mm. in 06, got divorced in 08, he died in twenty. He died in twenty twenty. So she considers herself single, uh, not divorced now. That's just a mentality she's going mm-hmm. with here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question it sounds like is, how do I get a man? She's lonely. Yep. Because two thousand six a long. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Or 2008, when she divorced. Oh, sorry. Got divorced, 2008. Still. Okay. So still we're talking a long time. Um, 16 years, something like that. 15 years. So I have a relationship with God, she says. I have been praying for a godly man, she says. And then she asked me and you, Bernie, but what could I do? There's not a singles group at church. I don't know what to do. Okay. What you got for Brenda? Brenda, um, so I again, we don't prepare for these questions. Uh, I'm just kind of um, praying beforehand that, hey, 
Holy Spirit, give us the words. Uh, bring to mind the things you want these people uh, to hear and us to hear as well through this, because I think this podcast ministers to Grizz and I both. Um, so uh, Pastor John Piper says that God is most glorified through us when we are most satisfied in Him. If you have a relationship with God and you are in His Word and you read that the purpose of our life is to glorify God with our lives, right? And if that is is the most evident when we are most satisfied in Him, I think maybe that, uh, not that having a, a, a partner and, um, you know, a companion is a bad thing by any means, um, but maybe just kind of check like, man, am I most satisfied in Him? Is He fulfilling? Is His grace sufficient? Is He, is he enough? Or am I looking to fill a part of that with this companion? Um, maybe you answer yes. God is, God is enough. He, he's sustaining me. He sustained me for the last however 16 years or however long it's been. Um, but, you know, you, you do feel this loneliness and you desire for companionship, um, which can be a godly thing and can be a great, you know, thing. As far as the practical, how do I do that? Um, I've I've just been so out of the game so long. I have no <laughs> I have no idea yeah, how you do it these days. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And, and I want to kind of reinforce what you said because that's not that's not the first thing that came to my mind when you went to the Piper Most Glorified thing. I I love that, and I think that's a that's a great answer kind of for anyone with any question. And so let's look. Let's kind of dissect that and see what that looks like because to some people that comes across as like my purpose is to glorify God, how narcissistic must he be if he creates beings and then their purpose is to glorify him? Like, when you first look at it on the surface, that's what it sounds like. I don't really want to worship a God like that. A narcissistic God just wants attention. Literally creates people so that they will give him attention. I I don't like that. I don't like that thought. That's what some of you might be thinking. So let's unpack it and see... What, like where that goes and, and maybe dig deeper into what that could mean for our lives because the ultimate the the ultimate gift that you get from that is your own joy and hope and love and peace these are fruits that you get as a result of your worship to your creator okay so let's unpack that a little further i i told i did a sermon one time and looked at it like this I'm, I grew up a huge George Strait fan. You know that, Bernie. Yes. yes. So imagine, I used to go to these concerts by myself when I was a teenager, and I would sit on the in the very center of the second row, right in the middle, and just, I would go there, and I would camp out the night before to get the tickets, and then I would wait in these ridiculous lines, and I would get in at noon. George Strait didn't go on until about 8 p.m., and I'm, I'm there in the building at noon, and I would go there. So imagine this scenario, and we're going to play this out. Imagine I go in, I do all that, and I get there, and there is a camera stand right in front of my seat. And George Strait comes out. And I'm just like, well, this is not what I expected. So I start daydreaming, kind of lose my interest in the concert. I mean, what am I going to do? There's a camera right here. George Strait in front of 70,000 people He's, he's playing to everyone 
and he looks at me and he says, you, move the camera so you could see me. Look to me. Focus on me. That's why you came. That's why you're here. So in that scenario, then, would George Strait be narcissistic to say that to me? Would he be some evil, creepy guy that is just wanting to get glory from everyone? No. That's actually the most selfless thing he could do in that scenario. When all these people are there, he looks to me and goes, I'm going to give you glory by you giving me glory. I will give you hope. I will give you peace. I will give you unbelievable joy in this concert. Look to me. Move all obstacles out of the way. So that's what happens. God does that so that we could, be a, we could share in that glory. He doesn't need any more from us. But he wants to selflessly give it back to us so that we could share in it as adopted kids. That's unbelievable if you unpack it that way. Mm-hmm. That's the depth behind what Bernie is saying. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So, Brenda, that starts the whole conversation. That starts probably every question we have today. Can you say that? Mm -hmm. Are you satisfied in him? Because if you are, then you go, God, I'm single. I want somebody. But if that's not in your designs, that's not in your plan for me, let me just focus on you. Let me just continue to glorify you regardless of who else is in my life. Okay, that's that part. That's done. Now let's get practical. Brenda, you say, I've been praying for godly man. Can you tell me what to do? There's not a singles group in our church. Is that the only church? First question. Yeah, is it the only church? But also, like, um, surely there's other ministries in, within that church, yeah, surely there's other kind of hobbies, desires, and gifts that God has given you to be able to serve your community or whatever. Go do those things, and just you know, listen to that still small voice that's saying, "Hey, um, there's this orphan care ministry that I'm going to lay on your heart, and you're going to like start to push into that, and you respond." One day at a time, you say, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve here. I'm gonna serve here." It could be, you know, like uh, some running group, or it could, be, it could be anything that you just listen to that voice and you walk in the spirit in that, and then all of a sudden, this dude shows up and he's, he's kind of listening to the mm-hmm. same spirit, and you guys are all of a sudden kind of walking next to each other, not in order to find each other, but in order to listen to the voice of God and walk in it. But then you realize you're walking right next to each other. And then it's like, hey, Mm. I have a companion in the work that God's put before us. I I think a lot of times these relationship questions can really be just self-focused and relationship be self-focused instead of, hey, what if we found somebody that would co-labor with us in the work that God puts in front of us? That's that's, that's what it's about. So um, maybe yeah. give that a shot, Brenda. Start looking around at those opportunities. Like, what has God put in front of you? And then start doing it. And then look to your left and right and see who's with you. So good. Reach out. Serve others. Don't get caught sitting on the couch waiting for your church to provide you with a singles group. Right? All right. Next question here. Well, we can go to this one. I have like 
guys, I have no idea what these are about to say, but um, it says, easy question. Hey, my name is Joseph. I'm 15. I live in Port Angeles, Washington. Thank you for helping me get through when I broke my leg. I was listening to your podcast in the hospital. I was wondering if there's a way to make your voice deeper or higher pitched. What kind of exercises are there? Yee, yee, God bless. So 15 is a time. That's kind of the time when you start asking. You're like, hey, man, everyone's got a deep voice but me. What do I do? Hey, Granger. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, that's just nature, isn't it? Yeah, like, I don't know. At some level, Joseph. It's you're the just, voice pro. Like, it's just going to happen. If you're talking about singing, maybe you're talking about singing. That's a little different. But if you're talking about speaking, that's just going to happen. You, have, you, have you heard yourself in a while? I, I have listened to you from old tapes, but have you heard yourself talk from 25 years ago? No. I have listened to you from 25 <laughs> years ago recently because there's one on one of your albums. Oh, no. Is that one where you're out talking? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With so, the homeless guy? Yeah. Yeah, so okay. So when you, when you listen to yourself 20 years ago, all of us, our voices are different. It's mm. almost not even the same person. It's weird. Mm. Uh, Harrison Ford. I was listening to him talk the other day. That guy's voice is so deep now. And it wasn't necessarily like that when he was Han Solo. Wow. So we change. Joseph, your voice is going to change naturally. The more you use it, the more that muscle gets stronger. And uh, just don't worry about it. If you're talking about singing, you exercise it. Just like you want to be a runner, you would exercise your legs. If you want to be a singer, you exercise your vocal cords. Oh, look at this one. Subject line, Mark of the Beast. <laughs> hey, Granger, I'm 29 years old, live in Indiana, so we're sitting around a campfire, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Mark of the Beast. Revelations 13 explains it, how the end of times will be near, and nobody will be able to buy or sell without worshiping the Antichrist. The number is 666, also plays a role in the end times, and it's all a little confusing to me. I'm young, I have a hard time comprehending, comprehending Revelations with an S on the end. Would love to hear your thoughts. God bless. And that is, did he say his name? He just said he's 29. Yeah. His email says Jer, so we'll call you Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, okay. I, it's it's actually really nice that Bernie's sitting here because he could go, go a totally different direction and you're you're open to. I'll let, so, okay. let you do whatever you want to do here. <laughs> this is not my specialty. Okay, so. okay well, well, then we'll just walk through this together. Here's okay. the deal, Jeremy. Um, there was actually was a time when I was in high school, I was really into this stuff. Like I would get into it and I would listen to these. They didn't Le- have left podcasts, behind. but yeah, like the left behind times mm-hmm. that was around that, that era in the nineties. But what I have come to, to learn over these years, especially the recent years of really diving into the new Testament, diving into revelation, diving into Daniel and uh, Isaiah and the, the different uh, apocalyptic um, stories, the apocalyptic narratives that we see in the Bible. And what I'm about to say is probably go- going to make you, um, maybe it's going to make some people not want to listen to the podcast anymore because it's boring. But a lot of a lot of modern day scholars will say that a lot of that stuff that was prophesied in Revelation has already happened. Mm. That 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 Nero was part of that all this plan when Jerusalem was 
the the Israelites revolted in 66 AD, right, against the Romans because of the oppression, because they were taxed heavily. Um, it was it was a terrible environment in the 60s AD, and so the Israelites got together with all these revolutionists and they revolted. And Rome crushed them over the course of four years. And in 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem was demolished, just like Jesus prophesied. Um, the, the religion was crushed. They built a pagan temple on that mount right there where the, where the Jerusalem temple was, where the, the second temple of Solomon was. They, they then um, kicked everyone out that wanted to worship the the Yahweh God, they, they, they made it illegal to sacrifice, illegal to um, obey the Sabbath, illegal to circumcise. Jews were dispersed. It was completely crushed. In fact, there was one more small revolt in 135 AD. When that was crushed, Israel no longer was a state. They're gone until, crazy, 1943 all this time goes by, right? So 2,000 years go by. Anyway, most modern-day scholars now will say that all this Mark of the Beast stuff, all this Revelation end of times, all that stuff that John was talking about, the apostle, was already fulfilled in the destruction of the temple, destruction of Israel, the dispersion of the people. Now, that's really boring because so many, so many of us want to just be like, oh, this mark of the beast, here's it come, here it comes. I remember when they said it was credit cards, you know, when that first came out. Now it's all, you know, it was the vaccine, that was it for a while. And we know this, I could tell you this about the end of times for sure. When Jesus came, the end of times began then. Hmm. He ushered in the, the end of times phase. This is, this is the last of days when Jesus came, right? He became the new covenant. He became the once and for all sacrifice. So no longer did people have to kill lambs and dove and lay them on an altar and cook them and oxen. Jesus became the once for all sacrifice for all humans that would receive him as their Lord and Savior. So, Jeremy, if we just focus on that and stop digging into maybe what was 666 Mark of the Beast to buy and sell and trade. What if that already happened? And you need to be focused on the Savior that made the once and for all sacrifice in the end of times, which is right now that we're living in. People say, we're living in the end of times. Yeah, we are. We always have been for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Once again, so boring. Like this, this doesn't get any clickbait on a podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at That's all. That's not what people want to hear. People want to say... They want me to say, yeah, I heard that President Biden might be the Antichrist. <laughs> you know, you know. And the end of the world is coming on July 17th. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm sorry if that burst some bubbles, and that might actually create some some people talking and wanting to, to fight against me on that. And, and you're totally welcome to. I'm not totally right about this. This is all speculation. No one really knows. But, but modern scholars really believe that this stuff that John's talking about already happened. I could tell you this for sure. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the apocalypse and the, the end war. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 666. What, you, what we need to know is this. And this, is, this is the truth. 
for thousands of years, people have thought maybe their generation is the last one and that the rapture is coming. If you believe in rapture, not, there's people that don't believe in rapture. But 99.9999999 an infinite percent chance you will die, Jeremy, before any of this happens. And me and Bernie and everyone listening to this podcast will die a human death and not be raptured because it's not our time. So if that's the odds, if that was the Vegas odds, mm-hmm. I would say, if that's my Vegas odds, I'm putting all my bets on Jesus as my Savior, that I will meet him in a, after an earthly death. And I put my trust in him as the once and for all sacrifice. And I'm not looking to the sky for some crazy apocalypse burning that's going to happen. Not yet. Yeah. Dude, that is impressive. Let me let me just say, did y'all know that he knew all that? Like, that's. <laughs> I knew you were a history buff, but you're like, you know, and then once again, and on one thirty-seven, and it's like, dude, that's impressive. I didn't know that stuff. So, Jer, thank you for putting the question so Grizz could enlighten us a little <laughs> Let's bit. Take a break. I, be right back. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Fabric by Gerber Life. You know, sometimes I'm traveling so much with my job and I think to myself, what if I never made it home? Would my kids and my wife be okay? Are they covered? And and then some of you might be thinking that and you, you think, well, th- that whole insurance thing, that's too complicated. Where do I even start? Well, I have a suggestion. Life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life. It's the easy all online solution you've been waiting for. It was designed by parents for parents to help get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Look, I know life insurance companies have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and it's on your time. That's super convenient. They also have a team of licensed insurance agents that could answer any questions along the way. So in less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family needs, you could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. You've heard of Gerber Life. It's been trusted by millions of families like yours and mine for over 50 years. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at Meet fabric.com slash Granger. That's meetfabric.com slash Granger. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Granger. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. And next, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you heard Bernie and I talking about this today on today's episode. When you're at your best, you could do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down. You you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. There's no shame in talking to a therapist about this. It could be a great way to start feeling better mentally with a professional. But then you think, well, who would I talk to? That sounds expensive. And I got to lay on a couch and tell a guy all of my problems. Hang on a second. There's a really good option instead. It's called BetterHelp. It's flexible convenient, affordable, entirely online. You just fill up a a brief questionnaire and you get matched up with a licensed therapist. And then you could switch at any time if you don't like that therapist for no additional charge. Once again, completely online, the privacy of your own home. Switch if you don't like them. 
what more can you ask for? This is the easiest, simplest setup for your own therapy. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Granger today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Granger. All right, back to the podcast, diving into another question. If you want to talk to me and Bernie, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. We'll put it in the queue. We have no notes, nothing in front of us. We're just walking through it like a couple of buddies sitting around a campfire, like that last question said. I like that. Next question, subject says, need advice? The email says, hey, Granger, my name is James. I'm 18. I'm a senior in high school this year. I emailed you two weeks ago and asked if I should try talking to my ex-girlfriend I still had feelings for. Turns out we both felt the same way. We've talked for about a week and a half, and she told her parents, and they pretty much told her that they didn't want her talking to me because they didn't want it to hurt her again. And we both feel like we've changed and matured a lot since the last time. She's only 17, so I respect her parents. But I also feel like she is old enough to make these kind of decisions. Any advice would be great. Thanks again, Yee Yee. James, 18. A little piece here, you said, I want to respect her parents, but I also feel like she is old enough to make these decisions. Then you don't respect her parents. Start with that. You might want to, but you don't You don't really want to. <laughs> um, what'd you think, Burns? James, James, James. <laughs> Um, so it's just a couple old guys over here. Okay. You're sitting around the campfire with some old guys. All right. With daughters. With daughters. And, um, I, Grizz has said this many times on this podcast. And every time we get something from somebody 15, 16, 17, 18, I always just think and remember what you say, just be 18. Mm. Like these kind of things can take so much of your time and attention that could be spent on making really good memories with friends and, you know, going places, uh, building new friendships. So, yeah, apart from her parents, I, I, I would be interested to know why the parents don't want her to hang out with you, uh, other than, like, you hurt her before, I guess, and they don't want her to get hurt again, but you've matured. Um, yeah, so... I. So practically speaking, I would say this, and I've said this before, James, um, you're, to me, your only card to play is you talk to the dad mm -hmm. and you just say, you man up, James, you're an 18-year-old, you're, you're old enough to go into the Marine Corps, you're old enough to call on the phone the dad and say, sir, uh, James here, I know you're a busy guy and I, I don't want to bother you, but I would love to be able to um, go to lunch with you or coffee and, and have a discussion with you man to man. Now, hopefully he's, he says, sure, let's do it. And you get together and you say, sir, I, I, um, I have feelings for your daughter. Uh, I would love to be able to date her. I understand that you have concerns about me and I understand that that's because you love her and I admire that. And so I do not want to do anything behind your back. Uh, so I wanted to have lunch and maybe to discuss um, some of your concerns, if I could answer any questions. Uh, bottom line is, I care about your daughter, and I would love to be able to date her, and I would like your permission. 
Yeah, if you can do that, you are going to start to earn some respect from the the parents for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can do that. That's tough for an 18-year-old. I wouldn't have done that at 18. Yeah, um, the only other card you have is forget her. Forget her, dude. Yeah. Be Those 18. Are two options. Be 18. Yeah. Um, next question, interesting subject here. Pastor let me down. So my wife and I finally found a church that we love. We were baptized and joined as members two years ago. Church is four years in. We were voted in by six people. Then four of the six have left the church now, uh, including only six members. We recently purchased a large building and get about 65 people on average Sunday. Our pastor emailed my wife asking us to become members. We already were. Then he blamed someone else for the mix-up and said that it was his fault. We decided to step back and watch online and do our own worship at home as a family. I feel horrible. I've been friends with him and my wife with his, but his response also said that we have a responsibility as members to show up to church. There were other issues we pushed through, but this one has finally pushed us away. I have a feeling we won't be going back. seems like they're pushing for new members, for money, and for a new building. Should we try? They haven't even attempted to contact us. Only one member called me. Anonymous, Wisconsin. <laughs> I love how your voice, y'all notice his voice changes sometimes once he gets halfway into an email and he starts talking like they may be from Wisconsin. <laughs> right? Oh, that's, that's the radio show coming out on the podcast. Yeah, love it. Um, so I, I think hey, can I just there's say a one lot more to thing. The very end, The very end, it says, please let me know if you respond. I don't catch all the podcast. <laughs> that kind of says something about the personality as well, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, very, um, this is about me getting something kind of consumer focused. Um, I'm not going to give as much as I'm going to look to get, right? Is that what you think? I'm going to let you go off on this person, yeah. Bernie. Um, well, I'm the good cop, so I'm not going to go off as oh, much as Granger man. will go off. All right. Did we get Come a name? On, did we get a name? No, it's, an, it's anonymous. Okay. Wisconsin. We'll call it Wisconsin. An Wisconsin. Um, I, I, I'm not going to dismiss your claim because there are a lot of churches out there that um, just don't have great leadership. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They, you know, true. You, you know that. That's true. That's true. But... Um, I do feel like you're being a little bit selfish here. I feel like you are um, kind of getting hung up on maybe some like um, some response that the pastor had, um, and basically saying we're not going to go back because he responded a certain way. And you're, and from there, like a, a critical spirit can start to be like a cancer, um, and not just for a community. But in your own mind, like you start to spiral and then you're all of a sudden critical of, you know, his wife and you're critical of why they're having new members. I think you probably need to check your own heart in in this uh, situation. And then next, I think you need to probably sit with your wife and the pastor and his wife. You said you guys are friends. Y'all need to sit and like sit in the conflict. Guys, conflict is not something to avoid. It actually can bring clarity and it can make things stronger. Um, so quick side note, I'm, I'm running uh, this weekend early, early in the morning. 
uh, still dark out. So I just have a headlamp and I'm in the woods. I don't know really where I am. And I start to hear a noise. And then all of a sudden that noise starts to get a little louder. And it's coming towards me. And again, it's dark except for my headlamp. And I, I just hear all of this wrestling. It's kind of getting louder. It's coming. And so I start to get a little scared. Um, not going to lie. And then all of a sudden, this little bunny rabbit runs across the trail right in front of me. <laughs> little cute little bunny rabbit. And I kind of stopped. I was like, oh, bunny. I had to catch myself. But then I realized, like, man, it was just a bunny. The point is, whenever we keep things in the dark, a lot of times they can be a lot bigger than we think they are. And in our minds, they can be a lot bigger. It may just be a small little bunny rabbit if you just sit and talk, be honest, bring some light to the situation. Because once my light saw what it was, it was just a bunny rabbit. Wasn't that big a deal? So Man, I th- that is so good. That, that is amazing. Did you think about that? Did I got scared here? of a bunny rabbit no. or what? <laughs> did you think of that story in your way here? Like, I'm going to no. find a way to use that story or did no. that just come to your head? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Man, Bernie, that's so good. That's what you would tell me. If Well, I will, I will say that after I started running again, I started analyzing what I just went through. Mm. And that's what the thought came to me was, hey, that thing was so scary when it was in the dark and you didn't know what it was. But once you saw it, you know, there, there's nothing to be afraid of. So, yes. Yeah. I think we all, that's a good word for all of us right there. Um, so anonymous Wisconsin, you think this is a country club? <laughs> right? A lot of people do, man. Is, is church a country club to you or is it a youth uh, select baseball team? And you're mad at the coach. That, I mean, that's what this email sounds like. It doesn't sound like someone that's 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 part of a a life giving community that's sharing in a, in a life giving faith that's outward reaching. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you're mad at the country club owner because you've been a member at, at this country club for four years and you just gave your locker away and you're and so you're going to go to another country club. In fact, you're just going to build your own country club in your own backyard. That's kind of what this sounds like. And I want to I want to kind of read back the scenario to you. You were part of there at that church at the beginning. You joined two years ago, uh, and the church is only four years in. So you've been half of the life of the church. You've been there, and you were in w- way before they had sixty five people in there. And then the pastor is trying to do his due diligence, not defending him, just stating the facts. He's doing his due diligence and reaching out to people, members of the congregation. He stumbles upon your name and your wife's name. He reaches out to you and he says, I would like you for you two to become members. Now let's stop right there. Like we're, we're, we're in a court case right now. We're, we're just, we're laying out to the, to the jury what's happening here. The pastor doing due diligence and going down the list of, of people that have attended the church and he's, he's trying to get membership from the people, which is a good thing. We want, we want to be members of a body so that we could then help with communication, help, help delegate serving. Like, hey, who's good at the media team? Who's good at, at music? Who's good at uh, admissions? Let's delegate. So that's why we need members. And the pastor needs to understand who's a member and who's not. But he reaches out to you. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen of the jury... He didn't know you guys very well. Y'all aren't very, very prominent people in the church. 
because he accidentally called you to ask you to be members, and he didn't know you. Yeah, in a church of 65 people, I bet you dollars to donuts that you are not participating actively in the community. There's no way. There's no way. You're not serving in probably any capacity. You're not. You're likely not in any kind of small group that is missional in any way. Otherwise, he yeah. would look and see your name. Oh, they're, they shouldn't be on this I list. I just talked to them yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this so, is this is the, a huge problem with the corporate church in the West. Yeah. Consumer, consumer based. Yeah. Like, we are just going to, like you said, it's a country club. It's another thing that it's an affiliation. Um, but it misses completely misses the biblical intention of the church. So yeah, it, it's like Mr. and Mrs. Anonymous. Oh, of course they're members. I just talked to them on, on Wednesday at the whatever. So the the appropriate response from you could have been, "Hey, Pastor, this is this is actually a little embarrassing, but we actually are members, and we just haven't been very active. That's why that's why our names came up, and you didn't recognize us, but." We need to be held accountable. We need to, we need to be more, be there for you more. And so I'm sorry that there's this embarrassing mix-up. But instead, your response was instead, man, forget it. We're just going to go online. The pastor didn't even know us. Yeah. How dare he not even know us? The guy's got a lot on his mind. Once again, I'm not defending him. Like Bernie said, there are corrupt pastors, of course. I'm not defending him. I'm just laying out the facts for the jury here. Um, you don't have a very good case to convince Bernie and I that you're really good standing members of this small body church here. Well, and for your own, just for your own spiritual growth and maturity and connectedness to a community, if you're going to have those things, and this is for anybody, including me and Granger, like we are going to have to be people of grace and patience. I don't know why. As believers in Jesus who came and displayed perfectly God's grace, unmerited favor, like we should be a people more than anybody on the face of the earth that sees um, somebody doing something that doesn't um, deserve our favor or our grace. And we're like looking for areas to be like, oh, hey, I forgive you. It's all good. It's all good. Like, let's give grace. Instead, a lot of times we can just become very critical and judgmental, but it's it's the opposite of the gospel. So this is true probably for your marriage, any relationships that you're in. We just need to be people that are full of grace, full of patience, and full of forgiveness. Yeah. 100% if it's going to be a healthy relationship, a healthy community, a healthy church. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's play devil's advocate. Say this pastor should have known you. Then you could also respond in a way that says, Pastor, buddy, I, we just saw you Sunday. We are members. You've got a lot on your plate. How could I help serve you to take some of this, this membership status stuff off your plate? We would love to help serve you in that way. Uh, one more thing here. You say at the end, I have a feeling we won't be going back. Seems like they're pushing for new members, for money, for the new building. Okay. Now, let's take just that. Imagine being a pastor. I'm not, Bernie's not, you're not. There's pastors listening. Um, is that wrong? Is that wrong for him to be seeking more of his of his flock 
and a better building for his flock. I don't think that's, there's nothing wrong. I mean, as long as it doesn't become his idol and that's what he's worried about and that's, he's, he's wasting all this energy and it's not, not shepherding the current flock that he has. I understand, but, but we can't look at that as a bad thing, that he wants a bigger, better building for everyone with better facilities. It's, as long as he's content, you understand the balance here. But this is another issue that you can come forward and say, Pastor, we feel like there is a lot of effort going into new, new people so that we could have a new building. How could we help you shepherd the current people? so that they don't feel forgotten, so that they don't feel lost. Me and my wife would love to be able to do that and to cultivate what's already here. Like these are ways that you could serve forward instead of recoiling back and saying, you know what? I got a feeling this one just pushed us away for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we could go on, on this one for a while, but um, yeah. You got to check yourself, I think, and we all we all need to, you know, uh, where where we're kind of at with uh, that, those kind of relationships. Let's hit another one. We don't have a lot of time in this break, but we could hit one more here. It says dating on deployment. Hey Granger, I'm currently deployed overseas with the army, and me and this girl started a relationship right before I left. I put the situation in plain text before I left, and she felt confident that we could do it. We're two months in now, and she's having doubts. We've been friends for four years. Now I'm scared to lose her. What do I do? Love the podcast. Thanks for the advice. P.S. Saw you in North Lawrence, Ohio for Country Fest. Christopher. First of all, thanks for your service. Appreciate you emailing and listening and being a fan of music. Um, what we got for this guy, Burns? He's. I mean, isn't that like the, the first rule of deployment? Like don't start a relationship <laughs> right before you know you're going to get deployed? Yeah. I mean, thank I, you for your service. Like, don't don't, think, don't let me miss that. Um, but I, I, you know, I guess it's neither here nor there. He's he's in the situation he's in. But yes, so the people that that are not in this situation, <laughs> yeah. let's make that a unwritten rule. Uh, probably don't get into a relationship right before you leave. But if you do, like Chris, let's talk about it. Um, he said, "I put my situation in plain text before I left, and she felt confident that we could do it." But Here's here's the deal. Until you're in it, you don't know. You can feel confident like I think I can, but until that, you know, the 6 months goes by, the 7 months and it, she still you know hasn't seen you, then you don't know how she's going to react. That's a good point. Ask me right now if I could climb Mount Everest. Yeah, can you climb Mount Everest? Dude, you know I could, bro. <laughs> I'll do it. You want to go tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> right. I promise you. I get half a day in and I'm stopping. Yeah. But if yeah, you, whenever you're not like in it, you, you you're overconfident. You're like, of course, oh, we can fight through anything. Let's go. So let's let's wrap this up by saying practically, what could he do to not lose her? That's what he's worried about. Ultimately, we've been friends, and he didn't want to lose her. I could tell you how. Let's first of all let's say how you can lose her. Here's how you can lose her by smothering her. By saying, please, I don't want to lose you. Please, what can I do? Please, please, you better not be... Are you seeing somebody else? Is this about another guy? I, hey, why why didn't you pick up your FaceTime at three o'clock? You you missed... You're seeing... Some, you know, like, that's the way to lose her. Mm-hmm. The way to not lose her, I think, is by saying, I get it. It's hard to know ahead of time what a deployment would be like. And so I, I really care about you. 
And I really feel like I could do it. But if you can't, I, I would suggest we hit the brakes a little bit, back away. Let I'll give you some space. If you need me, you know where to find me. Mm-hmm. I think another thing you could do is, I'm guessing um, there's other folks that you're deployed with that maybe are deeper into a relationship and maybe have been through a deployment and figured out how to do that and maybe ask their advice, ask them the situation. They'll be able to, you know, give you some advice. It's very different than, you know, me and Grizz, but um, yeah, maybe ask them and they may say, yeah, dude, you probably, if you're just this much in and you're already feeling this, you probably need to give her the space and, you know, do a Granger set, but maybe they'll have something else for you. I don't know. Appreciate you, Chris. And all y'all, thanks for listening. We'll see you next Monday. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.